Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another live recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. My name is Kevin Daisy, and I'm your host, also the founder of Array Digital. We are a digital marketing agency that helps law firms grow their case pipeline through digital marketing. Today, i got a special guest coming in from California, Blaze. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You didn't even uh, take the risk of trying to say my last name. Smart. Well, I guess I didn't. I, I, I thought I, I figured it out, and I was like, well, you know, maybe I, I'll mess it up. So for everyone, it's Blaze. Patskowski. Petskowski. See, it's easier than it looks, but... Yeah, it's intimidating, but it's not so bad. <laughs> well, just for giggles, you had mentioned uh, something you had done as a visual for people to remember how to say your name. You told me that backstage. Right. And it took me a while to learn how to spell my own last name and, and learn <laughs> what my own last name was, right? So I had a picture as a kid on the wall of my room of, uh, of a cow on skis, and that was Pat's cow. So Pat's Kowski. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So that's an easy way to remember though. So just to carry that around, but that could be your logo for your firm. Yeah. <laughs> I have to, have to give that a little bit more thought before I go live with it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I wouldn't. Yeah, maybe not. So everyone, that you, if you're tuning in and watching the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're here to learn from Blaze today. He's going to have a unique story to tell us about how he got started and he's one year into his firm. So I think, again, learn a lot from someone that's gone out on their own one year in. And uh, so we're gonna have a lot of cool takeaways, I'm sure today to hear from Blaze. If you want to go check him out, you can go to the website address below on the screen, passinjurylaw.com for those that are listening on the podcast. And that's P-A-T-Z, injurylaw.com. Uh, nice and short. I like the domain. But go check him out while we're while you're listening. And uh, you'll also find ways to connect with him there too. So um, Blaze, you know, always my first question is, why did you become an attorney what was the big trigger uh, or turning point at some, you know, what made you become an attorney? Sure. Yeah. So my path was that as a kid, I was always really interested in politics. And what I kind of imagined for myself in the future was going into politics, going into government work in one way, shape or form or another. And once I started to do a little bit more research into that and think about it more, I was like, well, if I just graduate from college with a bachelor's degree in political science and I go into I go into politics, I'm going to be the bottom of the totem pole. I'm not going to get to do anything exciting or interesting. So, you know, maybe it would be a shortcut for, for my future plans if I add on to that and go to law school and then I'll go into politics. And as I started to think more about that, I realized, well, it's silly to go to law school when your goal is not to become a lawyer and just do it for another purpose. And so shifted focus, realized that, you know, maybe practicing law rather than doing that as a stepping stone to something else was the right course of action. And, you know, I've now been practicing for 10 years and uh, I no longer really have that interest in going into politics that uh, I want to be a lawyer and, and this, this is what I do. Excellent. Well, that's an interesting way to get into it. And I love hearing people's stories because they're all different and, you know, just everyone has a different path. So, uh, well, so get us caught up then. So you, you've been practicing for 10 years, but in your own practice on your own for one year, give us a little background on, I guess, what made you make that decision? And then we can get into like some of the specifics of business and, and what you've been doing the last year. Yeah. You know, I, I think that just about every lawyer thinks about the idea of opening their own shop. A lot of people may never pull that trigger and actually make it happen. So it had always been something on my mind. Um, I spent the first 
almost 10 years of my legal career working at law firms for other people. I've always done the same thing. I've always practiced plaintiff personal injury law, but finally realized that it was the time to make what I thought would be an ideal thing to do a reality and pull the trigger and make that happen a year ago. So next week will be my one year anniversary of being my own. I awesome. opened my doors February 1 of 2021. Well, congratulations. We're almost here for the one year anniversary. Yeah, exactly. This is almost uh, <laughs> on the dot. Yeah. I, a good time to have you on the show. And, and, and again, that first year, a lot happens. You start to you know, reflect on what you did right and wrong and how you're going to improve it, I guess. So, uh, you know, I guess give us a little bit of, um, especially with you're in a pandemic too. Like it's pandemic. Let me start my own company. Yeah. Brilliant idea, right? <laughs> it's a great idea. So yeah, give us a little bit of, you know, what was it like kind of starting and, you know, where are you at this point and, and some of the success successes maybe you've had, but maybe it's also some of the things that you're like, you know, I could have done that better or, or definitely something I learned from. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the thing that always held me back from going off on my own and opening my own practice was where the case is going to come from. I knew that I know how to handle the cases. I've been doing this long enough. I've, I worked at, at great firms where I got fantastic experience and, and had a lot of opportunities. So I know I handle the cases, but if I go off on my own, where are the cases going to come from? That was never my job to bring in the cases. Somebody else brought in the cases and they would assign them to me. And my job was to be the guy to work the cases and resolve the cases and do good work for my clients, right? So, you know, the, the first thing that I did, step one for me was I'm in my 30s. I've been on Facebook at this point for 15 years or whatever it is, right? And, <laughs> and I probably have 1,500 Facebook friends that are, you know, people that I went to middle school with, people that I went to college with, people I went to law school with, people that I met, you know, at somebody's house in 2008, whatever it may be. Right? I would call that your power base. It, okay, yeah. <laughs> now, I have a, now I have a phrase for it. So step one was educating the people that are already in my network to make sure that they know what I'm doing and that if they're ever in a car accident, they know somebody and they should call me rather than going on Google or, or asking their cousin if, if they know somebody, right? Yeah. So, so that was step one. And, and, you know, all of my marketing has really been organic over the last year. And I would have never anticipated how effective that would have been a year ago. But I think that, you know, it's like they say, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> and so doing this and making sure that people know what you're doing and then it just keeps building and snowballing and getting bigger. Yeah, and I think a lot of people miss that. And even within a company, if you make changes to what you're doing exactly, like for us, we've had some changes with my company over the years. Like we now niche in the law, and that's not always been the case. But assuming that everyone knows what you're up to is a mistake, I think, for anybody in, in sales or that they're in a business or whatever, just assuming that everyone knows what you're up to. So sometimes I think it's good to go back out and say, hey, I want to reach out and let you know, you know what I do. What are you up to? And you never don't know if that's going to be like, oh, well, I had a friend yesterday who needs exactly what you do. So, so I think it's a really good move on your part there. And to just re-educate, like you said, people on what you're actually up to. Because your friends will go out of the way. And if they have someone or they get a, someone that's asking them for a referral, then hopefully they'll think of you. Yeah, so. exactly. Excellent. So I love that. Um, so as far as where's your exact location? So I'm in Costa Mesa, California, which is in Orange County, just south of, of LA. So one of the most competitive legal marketplaces there are in one of the most competitive practice areas that there is personal injury. But, you know, uh, the moral of the story is you could be a small fish, a small fish in a big pond. But if you find, you know, you're part of that pond and, um, and the other fish that you associate with and that are good matches for you, you know, you could, 
you could still eat and you could eat well. Yeah, that's great. No, it's a competitive market for sure. PI and that area is competitive, but for good reason, there's, there's lots of opportunity, right? There's lots of uh, people uh, in need of your service. So it's just about breaking in, finding your little niche, starting to make some waves and get noticed. So, but yeah, that's a competitive area to be in for sure. So what is, um, I guess if you were to say like your main focus what you're best at, what you focus on versus maybe like some areas that you don't focus on. What is kind of your sweet spot when it comes to, to personal injury? Yeah. So most of the cases that I handle are auto accidents of, of one way, shape or form or another, whether it's okay. car hitting a car, a car hitting a pedestrian, a car hitting a motorcycle. Year one for me was an awesome start in, in July of last year. Another attorney brought me on board to help him litigate a major case that he had. And we resolved that case in July for $1.3 million. It was an auto versus motorcycle case. So that was you know an awesome way to kickstart the practice and get things going and prove the concept. So, uh, so that's my main focus. I don't, you know, one of the things that I decided early on is I'm a personal injury lawyer. And while maybe somebody could come to me with some other legal issue and maybe I could do some research into it and experiment and try and figure it out. I don't do that. <laughs> so I get somebody who comes to me with a potential case. And if it's not a case that's right up my alley, I refer them. And if I don't know somebody, I'm going to spend the time to do research, make phone calls and find somebody who I could refer them to. And, and my goal is always to refer people to other small firms, solo practitioners if possible, where I think that they're going to get top level service. Like I provide my clients and now I'm developing a relationship with some other attorney in some yep. other practice area, and maybe the opportunity will come back where they're going to have a need to refer a personal injury client to somebody, and, and they're going to think of me. So Absolutely. Hey there, this is Eric J. Olson, the CEO of Array Law. If you're ready to work with a world-class digital marketing company, reach out. You can find us online at ArrayLaw.com or call us at any time, 757 757- Three three three, three zero two one. Yeah, that's that. Uh, I mean, it'll come back for sure. I think, but I think it's starting a new business, a new firm. That's a hard one to do, and I think it's the right thing to do is to say, "Hey, this is what I do. This is what I'm good at. These are the clients I help," and not just take on random cases for different areas of the law that you you don't really practice. So, but when you're starting a new business, that can it's easy to say that until you need the business. But if you can and stick to your guns and refer that out, that's the best way to go for sure. And I think that the same thing is true even in your own practice area. In year one, I think that a lot of people are tempted to take flyers on some cases where they think, Mm, not a great case, but maybe I'll give this a shot. I need more cases. Maybe I could, you know, make a little bit of money on this, right? I've really resisted that temptation. I've said no to a lot of cases where I probably could have done something, but I've done that so that I could focus my time and my energy on the biggest, most significant cases. And results like that $1.3 million settlement don't happen. If you're going through the motions on a case like that, that happens from doing, pulling out all the stops, doing everything that you possibly can on the case. And I can't do that if if I have too many matters. So I'm being selective um, so that, you know, because I have an obligation to the people that I accept as clients and I want to do everything I can for those people. No, I love it. And again, I, I, you know, kudos to you for being able to do that on your first year, because, you know, I think a lot of people, they like, well, where am I going to get my cases? They just start taking whatever they can. And then they end, then they're stuck in the minutia. And, you know, I've talked to attorneys where they work seven days a week and they're in their fifties and 
they have they're the only attorney they, they, they do all of it everything and they just they're a general practitioner they just do everything that gets thrown at them and they yeah. have no real way to control what comes in so they just they have to take everything right so in my 50s i don't want to work 70 days a week <laughs> Right. You're working too much. And at some point, you're going to have to deal with what's developed into an issue or a problem that that you regret stepping into on day one. That's one of the joys of running your own business is you get to choose what to work on and you get to work on what you want to work on and the cases that you believe in. So that's really improved my enjoyment of my work is <laughs> I don't have any cases in my caseload that somebody else thought was a case that merited taking where I disagreed with them, but I still have to deal with it. Every case that I have is a case that I want and that I believe in. Yeah, that's excellent. Again, I think that's a huge takeaway from this episode uh, with Blaze right now is for anyone starting their own firm, or if you just started your own firm and you're you know, not doing what he's doing, then I would, I would seriously you know, think about that. And I think, you know, and with that though, if, if you're going to start your own firm, I actually just had an interview earlier this morning with a, another attorney with a different practice, a family practice, but he was saying the same thing. He was very selective, turning down you know, cases that weren't a fit. This is going to, you know, the client's not going to have a great experience and neither will he. So it, it doesn't make sense. But, you know, if you're going to start your firm or maybe you're considering it, you know, look at, you know, do you have clients to take with you? Do you have some work lined up? Do you have enough savings? You know, because you'd like, you know, you need to start with being able to say, I want to only do this and I can say no to these things. But if you're scraping, if you're scraping pennies together, it's going to be very hard to do. Yeah, you're exactly right. That takes preparation, right? So I, I worked at big firms for 10 years. I had an opportunity to get myself into a good financial situation and learn how to recognize a good case and a bad case. That's not always obvious on day one. You run that variance and seeing the cases and, and seeing how they end up panning out, right? And it takes confidence to say no to a case because you have to have the confidence that I can say no to this case today and another opportunity is going to come up down the road so that everything's going to be okay, right? But you don't know that today. You have to have that <laughs> that confidence and that belief that that's going to happen in the future. Yeah, 100%. No, I love it. And I think, again, huge takeaway. If anyone takes nothing else away, that's that's the biggest thing, especially if you're, you're going out on your own. And uh, niching is the way to go. That's what I call it. Niching is, you know, you've decided that this is all I'm going to do and that's it. And, you know, I think it can be scary for people at first to, to make that commitment. So let's talk about a couple of different things. So anything, systems, books, things that have helped you, uh, anything you would recommend? I know I always recommend this book, which I'm reading myself. Can't Teach Hungry, John Morgan from Morgan & Morgan, PI firm, trial attorneys out of Florida. But this is the, he wrote the book on how to run and build a multi-million dollar personal injury firm. So it's really good if you haven't read it, but is there anything that's helped you, systems, software, things that you're using in your first year here that have kind of helped you get to where you are? Yeah, you know, that's part of my focus in year two is utilizing technology more to make my processes um, more efficient. One of the time-consuming parts of a personal injury practice is I need all of my clients' medical records, right? So I need to get their medical records and their bills from each provider that they saw. And if you have a client who saw, you know, 13 different medical providers, that's a time-consuming task to get all those. There are more and more companies that are kind of filling these, these voids, allowing you to, to outsource some of these things. So I've been experimenting with some of those. There's a company called Chart Squad that does mm -hmm. that. There's a company called Chart Swap that provides similar services. So I've been I've been using some more of that technology. Excellent. Looking 
you know, I have all my files saved in the cloud. So everything is, I could access it from my phone and all that, which is great, but I'm constantly looking for ways to, to utilize technology even more. And so I've heard that book, maybe it's something I should check out, but <laughs> yeah. and I think it's not being scared of trying new things, right? Like you get yeah. used to doing things in a particular way, you, even if you've only been doing it on your own for you know a short period of time, but there's a learning curve and it takes time to change your processes. But that's, that's one of my focuses and goals for 22 is not, is to lean into those things and find things that are going to make the practice run better and more efficient and try them. Well, I think another important thing you you said is processes and that even if they're on a piece of napkin or a piece of paper, that you have a process and document processes, technology can just improve and streamline things, but your process is still there, whether it's written on a piece of paper or uh, on a document. But to actually have some written process, and, and especially with you know a one-year firm, you want to hire a bunch of people, add more attorneys, associates, paralegals, whatever. What are they going to do? How are they going to know what to do? Yeah. How you do it? And that's that's a big project for us at my company this year. Is I have a full-time project manager who's literally interviewing our operations people and sales teams and documenting everything that we do and trying to have a processes really dialed in. So yeah, which gets way harder when you when you've already yeah. grown. It's way harder to do that retro you know retroactively. Yeah, and I think the other thing that that really helps with is is with training people in the future, right? So. Ha having those resources for them, whether the processes are already committed to writing and they have a reference and a source to refer to and, and to learn from. I, um, I actually just hired an intern and uh, yesterday was her first day. So that that's an exciting, exciting step for me. And, and that's one of the first projects that I have for her. I, I, I said, I'm going to be really generous with my time and <laughs> I'm, I'm going to teach you everything. She's never had, you know, worked in, in the personal injury field before. She's never worked at a law firm before. She's starting from scratch. And I said, I'm willing to start from square one and teach you everything. I want you to take really detailed notes of everything that I'm teaching you. And I want you to create checklists and steps so that the next time I bring somebody on board to my practice, it will not take me as much time because I'm going to have uh, the reference of these step-by-step -step checklists and processes that you and I have developed together. That's huge. Um, yeah. So trying to, trying to get those things taken care of early on rather than waiting until you're big and you have a lot of people and then trying to backtrack to figure that stuff out. Yeah. You don't want to be where I'm at sometimes because, you know, well, I have about, we have a little over 20 people, but even with that, it's when you want to make a change, like it's, it's, you know, it's a lot harder to do, but so that what you're doing there is awesome. So first off, someone who's a blank canvas versus someone that has experience sometimes is better. You're going to be able to brain dump, you know, and figure out, you know, what makes you good at what you do and how do you do it? If you had someone that had a bunch of experience as an assistant or a paralegal, they're going to have their own like ways of doing things. So this is a blank canvas. They'll get to learn. The fact that they document it too, I mean, hopefully she stays and that's the plan. But what if she documents all this stuff and then she's like, okay, I'm, I got some other opportunity or for whatever reason, I can't stay here. Now you have that and you're not just starting over all over again and trying to right. teach some other new person. Exactly. So I'll never yeah, have to spend as much time training somebody as I, as I will spend training her. So yeah, that, you know, that's the trade-off. I, I knew that taking yeah. somebody who doesn't have any experience means that I'm going to have to spend more time training them. And I'm happy to do that. And I'm happy that some, you know, my intern wants to go to law school and I'm happy to give her this experience and to work with her. My parents are educators. That's my background. So I'm happy to do that. So yeah. long as somebody is a blank canvas that has the capacity and the aptitude to learn and to do great work. So it, it merit um, that time and that attention, number one. And number two, they're going to stay long enough to, um, 
not just be somebody that I'm spending time training, but to actually, you know, be able to put all that to work and help give back to the practice so that yep. it could be a two-way street. I'm helping them and, and they're helping me also. Yeah, 100%. And actually my, my project manager, he's actually got his PMP. So he's a certified project manager. He started as an intern college and he's been with us for, I don't know, eight, seven, eight years or something like that. So um, but now he's a project manager, oversees every project in the whole company, process for every everybody in the whole company. So started as an intern. Yeah. And we have some of our best employees are interns uh, you know, when they started. Now we have had the few that we've taught a bunch and they go start their own company or something like yeah. that. But still friends, they refer us work, we refer them. Out. And so it's, you know, you can't always get it perfect. But if you document at least all that time and energy is, is for something and yeah, makes a ton of sense. I love it. Right. And in such a tight job market where employers are having a difficult time finding talent, taking college students as interns is an mm -hmm. opportunity to potentially find somebody who's really talented that you may not have the opportunity to get in, in some other channel, but taking a chance on somebody because they don't have experience that somebody else may not be willing to invest the time and the energy into. Is, no, I, think I think it's smart. Really it's really smart. And again, you're, you just started. So I don't think it's just to save money. I think it's a really good way to go either way. So, you know, I think as you, you know, for like for, for my company, right, we have specialists that are experienced in certain areas. Those we have to have a certain amount of experience. Like, hey, we're going to plug you in and you need to be able to roll. But outside of that, we, we prefer to do internships and bring in people that are fresh for things that we can grow them up through through the ranks. So we like to have a good mix of, of each of those. But I think yeah. for anyone starting their own firm, what you're doing, processes, selective on the clients and the cases, documenting and processes, like you got the right, you know, the right things in place to grow a good firm. So yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of people who have this real singular focus as lawyers on growth. Growth is something that I think will happen over time naturally. I'm not hyper-focused on that. My hyper-focus is on doing excellent work for my clients. I don't need a huge caseload. A, a small quality caseload that I'm cultivating right now is more than enough. And if that caseload develops organically to become a bigger one, I'll let that bigger caseload help determine which decisions I make in the future. But I think that a lot of people let the cart steer the horse by getting this big caseload and then trying to figure out what in the world do I do with this? And a lot of those cases may be cases that are ones that are, may not be the best fit for the practice. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had a gentleman recently tell me that uh, was it the tortoise and the hare, you know, slow and steady runs the race. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of firms have gone crazy balls, the wall growth, and they get out of business or they implode. So I think, you know, controlled growth makes a lot of sense. And most of the firms that are successful had that organic growth, you know, they grew naturally through their good work and that's going to be the best way to go. Yep. Exactly. Blaze, I really appreciate you sharing everything with us today. I think there's a lot of great takeaways here for anyone listening, especially if you're starting your own firm and taking that leap of faith, you know, try to be selective, try to, you know, what's your ideal customer? look like? What's your ideal client and case look like? Try to stick to that. Be prepared financially so that you can stick to that. And then sort of document everything you, you do so that if you have that next person come on board, they're not in the dark about what's happening. So all good tips. I, I think it's great. I'll throw your website back up here too. So the website address at the bottom of the screen, if you're tuning in, it's uh, patzinjurylaw.com. If you're on the podcast and listening in. Blaze, what's uh, another way people can reach out to you? And honestly, do, is there anything else you want to share? Anything anything big coming up? Any projects or stuff like that? Yeah. So, you know, the, the first kind of non-organic marketing that I'm doing is I have a new website in the works. It'll 
it'll be coming up in the near future. So that'll be, that'll be cool. And got new logos and letterhead and all that. So like everything kind of visually is going to be updated for me. So that's kind of the first, the first real marketing move that I've done. It's probably not going to do a whole lot in terms of making me more visible to people, but the people that find me, I'm going to have a much better online presence. So that's going to be exciting. I'm an old school guy. I give people my cell phone number. All my clients have my cell phone number. They text me, they call me and, <laughs> and I, I share it openly. So my, you know, my phone's always ringing, but I'm, but I'm always happy to talk to people. So uh, my cell phone's 949-342-5120. Other than the website, that's the best way to reach me. Excellent. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. I think, yeah. New website, fresh look, logos, all that stuff. It's all important. It's you know, it's uh, that you're serious about what you do. You care about your appearance. And that says a certain thing about, you know, to your potential client that this looks like a reputable firm. So it's it's one big piece of the puzzle, that's for sure. So. And it's a long-term investment, you know? So so that, that was part of the book. What figured into things for me is you do this now early on, and then you're going to have this logo and this letterhead and this website for years to come. And so you might as well do it earlier. So there's more time that you're going to benefit from it. And it, it's going to be working for you versus you know, yeah. using the old, uh, not so great website way beyond it, its lifetime. <laughs> yeah. That's how I, uh, when I'm talking to prospective clients about SEO, I'm like, SEO is you know, an investment. It takes a lot of time, but man, once it starts working for you, you, you have it for life. So it's, it's one of those things, but yeah, a hundred percent. You're, you're right to put your money into that first. If you were to go advertise and do all this other stuff without those things, it would be a big waste of money and you would just, you know, wasting it pretty much on, on those efforts. Yeah. You, so. you can help people find you. And then if they find you and they don't like what they see, <laughs> it's not going to do you very much good. Right. Yep. Yeah. For us, the yeah, website's like the tip of the spear. Like you drive everyone back there and the experience isn't good. It doesn't load fast. They don't like what they see, whatever, then you're, you're wasting potential, you know, dollars there. So yeah, hundred percent. Love it. Well, Blaze, anything else you want to share? We're, before we wrap up and say goodbye to the audience today. No, I think that about covers it. Excellent. Well, uh, again, appreciate you come on to share uh, your story and your your first year in business. Congratulations to that coming up here in just a couple, uh, well, about a week or so, right? Yeah. February 1st, is that what you said? Yeah, exactly. So we can ask away. Almost there. So congrats again on that. You know, kudos to you for taking the leap. Hopefully a lot of people can learn a couple of good takeaways from this episode and yeah, connect with Blaze if you feel like there's a good relationship there, maybe potential referral partners. We always encourage that. This episode will be up on our website soon, as well as our newsletter and featured on social medias all over the place, but you can go check it out and a lot of other episodes as well at raylaw.com forward slash podcast. We also have a filtering feature so you can filter by state or practice area or both. So if you wanted to find a personal injury managing partner episode in California, let's say, then you'll see uh, Blaze would actually come up in those results. But we'll be getting close to exceeding 200 managing partner interviews uh, on this show. And uh, so if you have a family practice and you want to see what other managing partners of family law have you know done for their business, we can easily, you know, you can filter for that and, and see what help you can get from it. So, so look forward to that. And of course, with us, what Blaze was talking about, website, visuals, SEO, marketing, advertising, that's what we do for attorneys. If you need that kind of help, check us out at raylaw.com. Reach out to me or anyone on my team, even if you just have questions. And that's it. Blaze, anything else before we go? It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate it so much and uh, have a good day. Everyone, we'll talk to you soon and see you on the next show. We've been recording this podcast free of charge for years. Hopefully, you're getting amazing value out of it. We don't ask for much, but would you do us one favor? Would you tell just one person about this podcast? If you get any value whatsoever, all we ask, and we'd greatly appreciate it, is share the podcast 
with one person just like you.